that was the best reason I've ever had to either not drink or even if I did to control it and limit it. And even in those circumstances, I just could not do it. Welcome to the Recovery Edgecast. My name is Alfredo and I'm an alcoholic. And today I'm sitting here with my good pal, Evan, who I met at Happy Trudgers in Denver. Um, well, kinda, kinda through Zoom actually. Evan, how are you? I'm good, Alfredo. I'm good. Good. You're currently driving somewhere, correct? I am, yeah. I'm headed to Taos, New Mexico. So, driving hands-free, talking on the Bluetooth. Nice, nice. So we got you in here. You got um, four months, right? Why don't you give us your sober date and your home group? Yeah, man. Uh, October the 7th, 2020 is my sober date. And my home group is Happy Treasures in Denver, Colorado. Cool. And did you grow up out here? or? Nope. I'm from Lubbock, Texas, uh, out in West Texas, born and raised. Uh, the first time I moved cities was to Denver uh, in, let's see, July of 2016. So you grew up in Texas. Why don't you give us a backstory on your childhood and, you know, lead us up to eventually that first drink, and then we'll take it from there. How does that sound? That sounds good to me, man. All right. That sounds good. Yeah, I mean, Pretty normal story growing up. Like I said, I'm from Lubbock, Texas. Grew up there. Um, I'm one of two kids. I have an older sister, six years older, who is now married and has a kid in Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, Both of my parents still live in Lubbock, Texas. And so, yeah, I mean, pretty pretty normal childhood, great childhood. Had a a great childhood growing up and a, a really good, stable family and Grew up with family being of high importance, you know, and um, always had a good relationship with my family. And, um, yeah, so just kind of, like I said, did the did the loving thing for forever, pretty much. I mean, all the way through grade school to high school, and then uh, went to college at Texas Tech University in Lubbock as well, and then got a job out in Denver, and then moved here. So. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of it as far as the overview. <laughs> when you were a kid, then, what was your perspective on alcohol? You know, my parents my parents drank. They still drink, not excessively. I've never seen my parents intoxicated. Um, but it was something that I guess kind of always intrigued me a little bit. I guess I can think back to when my first drink was. I was a Aside from, you know, just like trying like a sip of their wine or something. Yeah. But my first time like actually drinking was I was a freshman in high school. And I was with one of my best friends who's still, I consider, one of my best buddies. Uh, his name's Sam. I was with Sam and his dad out on their back porch in Lubbock. And uh, I think the mom was out of town and um, he, he offered us beers and some other things. Yeah, that was the first time I drank since uh, freshman year of high school. So, did you immediately get hooked, or what? Do you remember how you felt? 
Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I liked it. I liked the feeling. Like, it was kind of, it was new, and it was kind of exciting and fun. Mm -hmm. I didn't really drink a whole lot until, call it, junior year, senior year of high school. Really more so senior year. Yeah. Uh, It became a little bit more prevalent. And that was, you know, having older people buy me stuff and sneaking it or sneaking you know, liquor from parents or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was just kind of a fun, rebellious thing to do in high school. Was mm. to, you know, you felt like you were getting away with something. Yeah. Uh, so do you remember back then what your perspective was on what an alcoholic was or is? Yeah, I mean, I didn't know any alcoholics uh, personally. And... I really never heard my parents talk about alcoholics either that I can remember. Um, one of my dad's good friends, his brother was an alcoholic and he ended up dying from the disease, but never really talked, I mean, talked about it. So the only perception I have of alcohol from movies or TV, you know, it was just someone who drank uncontrollably and ruined their lives and couldn't hold out a job or a family or anything like that. I mean, that was pretty much my perspective of what it was. And as you had started in your senior year, uh, you know, drinking a little more than you had been, did you see any signs or did anybody see any signs that maybe your drinking was out of control or not normal yet? Uh, there were some instances. There were some instances in high school where, like, my parents saw me pretty heavily inebriated. Obviously, that's some, some warning signs, right? But it was just kind of like a brush it off of that's what everyone everyone does. It wasn't really until that summer between senior year and college and then into college when the drinking became pretty heavy and excessive and kind of started to take control a little bit more. Mm. Why don't you tell us about college then? Yeah, so as I mentioned, I went to Texas Tech. Uh, the Greek life is really big in Tech, and so that's you know the fraternity and sorority scene. Um, and so I got involved with that, and going into college that summer before, you know, I I had a lot of older people that I knew that were in fraternities, and so they would kind of bring me out to parties or, or what what was known as rush events to you know, kind of get involved and plugged in and, and kind of see what group I mesh with, if you will. So um, I got involved with the fraternity freshman year at Tech, and I was involved throughout my college career, which was for four years. And, you know, fraternity was great. I met a lot of guys who, I, some, some of them are my best friends today. Uh, and so there were a lot of great things about the, the whole fraternity gig at Texas Tech. Unfortunately for me, um, being an alcoholic now, one of one of the biggest things there was that alcohol was the absolute focus of of everything in, in the fraternity. It was the focal point of of everything we did, uh, and so it was a huge, huge part of my life. It was pretty much pushed on to you whether the whether you wanted it or not, I so happened to want it because I was very much caught up in that scene. So 
uh, yeah, became became a really big part of, of the whole college experience. Did your social or relationships suffer yet or anything? Are you seeing any consequences in college or is this stuff still working for you? Yeah, I mean, there, there, there were, there were instances, you know, I, I was fortunate, you know, I, I took school really seriously and I, I did really well in school and subsequently got a really good job because of the focus on school. Uh, but, but certainly, I mean, you know, drinking too much and being in an inebriated state certainly pissed a lot of people off in certain instances, you know, unneeded altercations with people, um, got in trouble with the public intoxication deal one year. Um, so yeah, there were, there were certainly instances that were outside looking in and cause for concern. But again, my whole thought was I'm in college. This is my time to have fun. Like, I don't think there's a problem, but even if there was like, I'll take care of it after the fact, like, you know, this is, this is college. Like it's time. This is the time to party and get all that out of your system. So when you finished college, did your alcohol consumption increase? Did it, was it on hold for a while or how did, what did the pattern look like after you were out of college and on your own pretty much? Yeah, I I would say that it remains probably pretty steady for a while. Um, I didn't drink every day, but I probably did most days, you know. Uh, at that point, I was living with a really good buddy at an apartment uh, in Denver. And, you know, still certainly drank too much. And uh, it was way too big of a focal point. Uh, but it certainly wasn't as bad as it was kind of in the, the latter stages of, of drinking, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you're fairly young. Um, you want to tell us your age? Yeah, I'm 27. Just turned 27 in January. Okay. So hitting 21 um, in your early 20s is still in very recent memory. Can you recall when you were concerned yourself a bit about your drinking or how it led up to this I mean, I was always concerned that it might become a problem, you know, even if it wasn't a problem at the time, you know, like I can, I can recall my parents talking to me about it pretty often in college, you know, uh, particularly my dad, he would, he would kind of sit me down and and say, you know, I remember one time he he flat out asked me if, if I thought I had a problem course my answer was no but you know every time we talked about it he would he would say the same phrase he was like you just want to be careful because it'll sneak up on you that's what he would always say Hmm. he said you should want to make sure it doesn't turn into a problem because this stuff can sneak up on you yeah and so i mean so yeah it's concerning whenever loved ones have those conversations with you but at the time i'm like this is so ridiculous like i'm in college just partying with my friends, like this is so absurd that you're having this conversation with me. Yeah. When hindsight twenty twenty, like he was clearly on to something, and wish I would have listened a little more carefully. Hmm. Do you recall 
when it started to become more problematic and less fun for you? Yeah, yeah, I would say probably. Let me think about that. I would, I would, I would say around 2017, I moved out and moved, uh, moved in on my own, got my own place. Um, and it's really hard to pinpoint, right? Like when it transitioned from like heavy drinking to like problematic drinking. But somewhere around there, it started to transition from a fun thing to do to a necessary thing to do. Like whether it was conscious or subconscious, it's what I used for everything. Whether I was sad, upset, happy, pissed off, whatever, I was going to drink. Um, I used it to numb down the negative emotions. I used it to try to amplify the good emotions, right? Mm-hmm. And so I would say... Um, you know, when I started living by myself, it, it became more of a, of a problem. Um, and then really 2020, uh, when, the, when the pandemic happened, and uh, well, that's not fair to say. I think it got to a problem well before that, but I think the whole pandemic and isolation amplified everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's when, it, that's when it hit its height of being the worst, you know, and all of the negative things that come along with that. What's the difference between the good times and the problematic drinking? Well, the problematic drinking was I drank even if I didn't want to. Like, I was so hungover, and the only way to try to get become not hungover was to drink or, or, or whatever. And it started affecting my social life. Like, I wouldn't really want to go do things with people. I would rather just drink, you know? Started drinking, you know on the weekends during the day some, and, you know, it just became a lot more common and a lot more, um, a lot more quantity, I guess. And and things that I used to never do became a little bit more, uh, routine, you know, like drinking and driving or, um, things of that nature. Mm -hmm. You know, at one point I even, um, so I I won't say where I work, but, at work, there's a zero tolerance policy on alcohol. Basically, if you get popped with a breathalyzer, you're suspected of having alcohol in your system. Uh, if, even if you're below the legal limit, like if, you, if there's anything, if you're .01, you're fired on the spot. Got to the point where I was drinking so much the night before that I even bought a breathalyzer to use in the mornings to make sure I was fine to go to work. You know. Mm-hmm. Like stuff like that that is clearly not normal. <laughs> mm. So did you change your drinking patterns to accommodate yourself to drink more or did you switch from beer to anything? How did you how did you, you know, get by these rules that are set in front yeah, of you? I mean I yeah, I, I would try different things, man. I would try to set limits on myself. I would try these rules to you know, like on the weekend, like don't drink before five or whatever, like even though it's the weekend or, you know, only have X number during a Texas Tech football game or basketball game or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I played, I'm trying to put these rules in front of myself to try to abide by to, I think, almost prove to myself that I didn't have a problem. I think there were, there were periods or stretches where, you know, I would go a couple weeks without it think okay well i did that therefore i must not have a 
before going into into AA, before really having my aha moment, I had talked with my parents about it and said, hey, I think I have a problem with this, you know, and I started seeing some professional help on that, a, a, a psychologist that, that specialized in addiction. Um, but, you know, the first, I don't know, I don't know how long I went to them, maybe four or five months, that I... I wasn't willing to consider that I was an alcoholic. I was very much uh, in the mindset of, okay, yes, I drink too much, but I'm here to learn how to deal with it, how to cope with it, how to learn healthy, you know, strategies to be able to reduce and drink normal because I've got this under control. I just don't want it to be elevated to a problem kind of past the point of no return, you know? Mm -hmm. So when did that aha moment happen? What was that like? Well, I'd like, I like to think it's a, a, a long build up, right? Like there were so many different instances where I'd wake up and be like, oh my gosh, like I have a problem. Like I need to get this fixed. It was just insane to think back to that. Like it didn't matter what I was doing. Like I was looking to drink, but for me, I was back in, uh, was back in Lubbock around, uh, I don't remember when that would have been, but anyways, I, I ended up getting COVID. And I was, uh, I was quarantined for COVID and I felt terrible, whatever. And it just so happened around that same time, within a couple days of me, it's, it's hard to keep the timeline straight, but within a couple days, my grandma, who I started kind of rapidly declining in health, um, and hospice got involved. Basically, it was a situation where we knew she was going to pass away and it was just kind of a matter of time type deal. Yeah, And so, as I mentioned earlier, like, my family is the most important thing to me in the world. And I remember this specific instance where literally it's an any day type deal with, with my grandmother passing away. And uh, there was a tech game. And I went over to my buddy's house who also had COVID. <laughs> so there wasn't any risk of cross-infection, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and I went over there. Uh, and I thought to myself, I'm going to have a beer or two, but I'm certainly not going to overdo it. I don't want to put any stress on my dad, who's just, you know, playing this weight game for his mom to pass away. Anyways, you know, fast forward, I, I'm there. One or two beers turns into five or six beers, turns into get the liquor at the liquor store and just got completely out of control and just made a fool of myself and really – just the, seeing the disappointment on my parents' face the next morning just because of what circumstance we're in as a family. And I had absolutely every reason in the world. That was the best reason I've ever had to either not drink or even if I did, to control it and limit it. And even in those circumstances, I just could not do it. And it had gotten to that point where not only could I not control not drinking, got, I mean, I drank pretty much every day, really. But it got to the point where when I drank, it didn't matter what reason I had, I couldn't control it. I, I would drink too much every time. And so it was it, it was kind of that flip of the switch where I was like, all right, like I clearly don't have any control with this, so what now type deal. So how did you find your first AA meeting? Tell us about it. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm thankful for AA because 
the, the guy that I mentioned to you, the addictions counselor, you know, I think it was the second meeting that we had. He was like, look, man, I'm not going to tell you if you're an alcoholic or not, but I can tell you that you check all the boxes. That's what he told mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I'm still thinking in my head, like, yeah, whatever, dude. Like, I have a job. I have family relationships, whatever. I'm not, I'm not so far gone with X or Y, you know, like, I got it together. And we would just kind of argue this point every time we met. And finally, he was like, dude, just check out an AA meeting. He's like, that's your homework. Just check one out. So I remember it was a Monday through Friday. I don't remember what day it was, but this is well before I had my aha moment, maybe months before. And I called in to Treasures. I don't know how I landed on it. I'm pretty sure I just Googled Denver AA. So I was like, okay, it's almost noon. Here's a meeting that's about to happen. Boom, clicked on it. And I called into it. I just sat and listened. I'm usually not an emotional person. Sometimes I would get emotional when I drank, but I was, I'm usually not an emotional person. And I just sat there just pretty much crying the whole time because I was just so like, and I, kept, I, I was thinking back to my dad, like, It'll sneak up on you. Sure enough, I'm like called into an AA meeting, hungover, like can barely function. I'm so hungover. And just like called into this meeting and just, you know, pure desperation. Like, what do I do? What's next? How do I get this under control? So, yeah, I called into an AA meeting one time before I actually had my aha moment and then really gave it a go. So that was my first experience. Take another couple of months of terrible decisions and mistakes and hard lessons before it got me into the actual program. But that was my first taste of AA was while I was still drinking. Mm. So what were your first impressions of AA when you sat down and checked out your first meeting? You know, like just like listening to the people, I'm thinking, huh, these people seem pretty normal. Like, again, my, my conception of an alcoholic is someone who is living under a bridge because they've lost absolutely everything. And and that's not a knock on that type of person whatsoever because everyone's circumstances are different. But that meeting showed me that, like, no, this is a disease that affects people that are, that are just like myself or just like what I perceive myself as, you know? Mm-hmm. I guess what I'm saying is it's a, it's a meeting of normal people. It's not just people who've lost everything. It doesn't, it, it's not that in every case. In fact, I would argue that it's probably not that in the majority of cases. Hmm. So a bottom, as we call it in AA, wasn't necessarily what you kind of thought a bottom really should be or was. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. So you're in AA now, uh, 2020. Heck of a year to start getting sober, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, you're you're doing it online and you're going in person to Happy Trudgers. Um, how is your family um, responding to your efforts now? As you're doing this, as you start, yeah, I mean, they've been nothing but supportive, man. They've been 
my, my family has been a huge part of my recovery. Um, like I mentioned, they were the first people that I kind of let in on what was going on. And uh, ever since then, they've been nothing but supportive. And they've been, they've been huge. They've been very instrumental. And I feel very blessed because I realize that not everybody has that. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of, a lot of people don't have that. And as you and I both know, you know, the most important part of the recovery is God. But for me personally, my family's been huge. Yeah. So you obviously don't go to AA and just get sober by sitting there. What are you doing to maintain your sobriety and keep some serenity at the same time? Because for me, I can't stay sober if I'm not happy, pretty much. Or not happy, but like sane. Um, It's kind of hard to explain, but you get the gist, right? No, I got you. I mean, you know, I did the 90 meetings in 90 days. Um, I still go to meetings pretty much on a daily basis. Do I think that I could stay sober if I didn't do that? Yeah, maybe, but I'm really not willing to find out. So I plan to continue my participation in AA on a pretty much daily basis. You know, I'm working through the steps. Uh, I'm working through the steps with the sponsor. I don't know if I'm supposed to say who because of anonymity, but I'm working with the sponsor, and he's taking me through the steps. And um, So that's been huge for me. And, uh, yeah, just starting to work on, starting to peel back the layers. Like, it's kind of like an onion, like the, the, over, the, the outside layer was the drinking. Yeah. And now I'm starting to peel back these other layers and look at my other character defects and realize, wow, I was selfish, manipulative, dishonest, lazy, uh, complacent, the list goes on and on. And so these other things that I'm able to work at now because I'm in, because I'm sober and because God's brought me to a place to be sober and he's continuing to help me be sober. So how am I staying sober? It's working the program, staying involved in AA, leaning on the people that are supporting me, um, as well as kind of establishing better healthier habits. I'm not great at it. There's other habits that I need to work on uh, that could improve my life as well, but uh, for me right now, I'm just focused on that that uh, that one day at a time that, that you always hear. Um, just taking it one day at a time, trying to improve myself, work on the things I need to work on, trying to be a better person that I'm now able to work on because I'm not drinking. Mm. So what do you know now that you didn't know, say, five months ago about getting sober? I know it's really damn tough. It takes a lot of effort, but at the same time, the first step is so easy. You just have to give up. You have to give up that control and that concept that you're going to be able to figure it out. Because when I think back to it, as much as my parents loved me and, and were there for me, there wasn't a single person on the planet that could have gotten me sober. Like it had to be my decision. And I, I had to hit that bottom, that aha moment. And I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but for me, that's what it took. And and no one could have gotten me sober. So what do I know now? As much as a lot of those situations, I can think back to so many situations that just sucked with with people that I I hurt and that I let down. But 
at the same time, it kind of took that to bring me to a place that I was that I was ready. I had to be ready. And as soon as I gave up the idea I could drink normal, as soon as I gave up the idea that I could control it, and as soon as I gave that over to to my higher power, then boom, that's what started it. So um, AA is is a complex program in the sense that there's a lot of there's a lot of steps and there's a lot of things that I've learned, but when you boil it down, it's pretty simple. And it's that I couldn't do it, God could, so and now I'm rolling with it. Nice. So then you got just over four months. What are what is life like today for you? Life's still hard. You know, there's just because I got sober, all of the hardships of life didn't go away. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've struggled with anxiety for a large part of my life. That stuff, that stuff's still there. And now I don't get to run away and fade out from it. You know, I kind of take those things on the chin. I don't get to fade out with the substance when problems come. But I've learned how to deal with those in a healthy way. I don't have to drink over them. Um, and I don't mean to make it sound all bad. Because there's certain aspects that are great. My relationships are so much better. My relationship with God is so much better. Um, just the simple fact of not being hung over every day is a game changer. Oh, yeah, just being yeah. able to feel good again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't trade it for anything. There's there's days where, where the obsession, I mean, I, I'm still very much obsessed with alcohol. I don't think that's been lifted. And I still struggle with the thought of maybe I have it together or maybe someday I will. But, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's what that's what helps me dispel those ideas is, is going back to the meetings and hearing from everybody and, and, and hearing hearing their story because I've never heard a story where they said, yeah, I was an alcoholic and got sober and then, you know, five, ten years later, it went away and I got it under control and now I have a glass of wine every now and then again dinner. You know, it's like every story is they pick back up or right where they left off or worse. And so for me, it's like I know where I'm going back to if I pick up that drink. And uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Mm-hmm. So what's it like now? These four minutes, these four months have been hard, but they've also been, you know, beautiful in their own way. I mean, mm-hmm. there's been certain things that are just so much better. Um, but overall, whether it's good or it's bad, it's real. I'm not, I'm not numbing it with alcohol. Everything's real. And it hasn't been real for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to your first month. How did you... We know the first month is really hard. First day is super hard. First week. What was that? Do you remember what that was like for you and how did you get through it? Sure. I just, I dug in with everything I was told to do. I didn't really wait to get a sponsor. I got a sponsor pretty much right away. I didn't really wait to get involved in AA meetings. I got involved pretty much right away. Uh, I didn't really wait to start reading the big book. I started reading pretty much right away. And so I just kind of jumped in with both feet because at that point I didn't really have anything to lose. Now that you have four months, you are all wise and Mr. AA. (laughs) (laughs) If you could give a piece of advice to 
somebody who's new, or let's think about yourself. If you could give yourself a piece of advice, day one, Evan, from only four months ago, what would that piece of advice be? Can't tell you why it works, but it works. Jump in, rely on God, let him do his thing because you can't do it. Rely on the people who've been there and done that. Soak up everything that they're saying because everyone in those rooms have been exactly where you've been. And if somebody was going to ask you, how did you get sober? How would you answer? I would say I didn't. I would say God's what got me sober. Um, but, you know, I, I, I gave up trying to control it. It's what kick-started me on sobriety. I, I gave up the notion that I could control it because I'd always, I'd known for a long time that I had an issue with it, but I was obsessed with the concept of controlling it and fixing it. But relinquishing that idea that I didn't, that I had to fight it, that I had to solve it, is what kick-started me on sobriety. Wonderful. Well, do you have any final words as we end our session here? I think, uh, I mean, is there anything you left out that you want to kind of elaborate on? You got some time. Man, I don't know. I don't know. I, um, as much as I wish that I didn't have a problem with alcohol, you know, it's not so bad because at the end of the day, like I said, coming into this program has allowed me to kind of take a hard look at myself in the mirror and work on these other things uh, that I didn't really know I needed to work on, you know? Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, there was a lot of, there was a lot of things that sucked about my drinking for me and for a lot of people that I cared about. I, I hurt a lot of people and made a lot of people worry. But at the end of the day, you know, they've, they've all been so supportive. Um, and I, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just super grateful. I'm super grateful that I'm here and I'm, I'm grateful that I'm sober. So that's all I got, man. I, uh, I really appreciate you having me on. Hey, thanks Evan for sharing your story with us. And, uh, this won't be the last time we hear from you either. You're four months in. I can't wait to see oh. what you say a year in. That sounds good, man. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Um, I certainly, uh, I, I realize that I got a lot to learn still, and, uh, and that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited to continue to get to work on myself. You and me both. You know, you one, and me one, both. Of, one of the things that caught me early on was that stopping drinking was just the beginning, so I'm excited to keep trudging along. Thanks, Evan, for joining us on the Recovery Edgecast. I'm looking forward to hearing back from you when you reach that one-year milestone. Your experience has been invaluable in just such a short time. Listeners, thank you for checking us out. Remember, you can catch us at recoveryedgecast.com. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Be sure to share us. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as well. And thanks again. We'll see you next time.